2020 has finally come to a close. And now we're in 2021, and you may be wondering what is in store for us this year. Well, we're wondering the same thing. And for that reason, we have brought on an economist to talk to today, and his name is Andrew Updike. Now, we had uh, Andrew come on the show, actually one of our very first shows, episode number five. So if you want to get a little bit of background, you can go back and listen to episode five. But here's, here's the way I envision it. How would you like to sit down with somebody who's a trained economist and ask them questions and see what their viewpoint is about where we're headed in 2021? Well, that's what you get today, and we're excited to bring it to you. Uh, we are also very excited to have you with us each week. And in order for our show to continue to be successful, we ask you for one favor right now. And that is, if you don't mind, could you please go and give us a five-star rating and then write us a review? We certainly want to hear from you. We'd love to be able to have your feedback, and we certainly do appreciate it. But as for today, we hope you enjoy our interview with Andrew Updike. Welcome to the Secure Your Retirement Podcast. This is the place where high achieving professionals come to gain confidence on how to successfully navigate their transition into and life during retirement. There's no such thing as a passive retirement plan. To have a successful financial future, your plan must be actively managed. Each week, we will bring you action plans and expert interviews that will help you gain insights, learn fresh perspectives, and finally experience peace of mind about your retirement. Here to help you achieve your dream retirement and live the life you deserve are your hosts, certified financial planners, Raiden Stansel and Merce Tariq. Hello, everyone. We welcome you to our podcast today. It uh, is always good when we can get into the beginning of a year and then have somebody come on uh, and give us some insight about what they're seeing from the perspective of a economist and what that might look for it like for us uh, going over the year of 21. We had a pretty good 2020, um, but we decided to bring back in a guest that we had a while back, and his name is Andrew Updike. And um, we, first of all, let me just say thank you so much, uh, Andrew, for coming back on and having a conversation with us. And I know our listeners liked the last uh, interview that we did with you. So thank you for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be back with you. Great. So uh, here's our objective in our interview today is we kind of want to hit a little bit about uh, 2020, kind of what, how things ended up and what you see from that. Obviously, there's a lot of things that have occurred over the year. Um, we're now in a much better place to say how we think things might play out. But then what is it going to mean for 2021? So I'm going to just uh, let Merce take us off here and get us started. And uh, and then we'll have a nice conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew, thanks again for joining us. Um, so before we dive into 2021, I know you've got a lot that you can talk about towards all the things that have already happened in the first five days of the year. Um, but if we could, for all of our listeners, let's just refresh everyone's memory as to what happened in 2020, how the year ended up, and all the ups and downs of what that roller coaster of a year was. Could you do that for us? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I know 2020 is a year that a lot of people would like to put behind them and never think about again, but it did lay a lot of the framework for where we're going this year, what is taking place uh, as we head into a new year. And clearly it was, it was a year, it was a roller coaster year. We started off the year strong. We were growing at a 3% real rate in January and February. COVID hits, and we see a, a, a historically large 
economic collapse that went uh, March, April, kind of the beginning of May. And then we started that recovery process. And we went from that, that February, March period as we started to look at COVID where we didn't know what was coming. And so we heard the, the catastrophic predictions. We, we felt like we were looking into the abyss. And it was an incredibly difficult time in those early stages. But then we started to work through, and, and quite frankly, we started to adapt. People started to adapt. Companies started to adapt. And as we got into the middle of the year, we, we, we looked and said, how do we move forward from here? How do we progress still battling with COVID. And so we went from the kind of the depths where unemployment was uh, mid double digits. It was, it was much higher actually than what we saw during the 0809 downturn. We saw a 31% decline in the US economy at an annualized rate in the second quarter, historically large, the largest decline we've seen since the Great Depression. But as we started that adaptation, we started to watch jobs come back. We'd lost 22 and then we, we see 2 million get added in a month and then three and then it, and, and, and Throughout the remainder of the year, it was a constant battle of the virus against that progress. You add in that it was an election year and that brought volatility with it, but the economic fundamentals started to step forward. And we brought the unemployment rate down. We finished the year at about 6.7%. Uh, GDP in the third quarter grew 33.4%. It went from historically bad to historically good. Now, we're talking at the beginning of January. We don't yet know where the fourth quarter numbers will finally come in. There's still data to come in. But for the year, considering how far down we went into the depths, the recovery during the second half of the year was, I would say, pretty impressive. We still ended the year down from an economics perspective. We'll end the year down about 2.5% from a production standpoint versus 2019. But the pace of the recovery has been strong, significantly faster than what we saw, for example, coming out of the financial crisis. Now, that was the economic side of things. We're getting back to firmer footing. We have a clearer path forward. On the market side, we there also saw that tremendous decline at the early part of the year, and we saw a tremendous recovery. There we are about, or we're back above, we finished the year at a level significantly higher from where we started the year, which, I mean, imagine if you went back to someone in, in early February of 2020 and said, listen, you are about to see the worst economic downturn of our lifetimes, and we're going to see large portions of the U.S. economy shut down. We will not be reopened until at least next year, and said, where do you think the markets are going to be? I don't know if there's anybody who would have said, oh, we're going to be up, we're going to be up double digits. But, but as we got into that recovery, as we got into the adaption, and, and, and we tried to figure out how we were going to operate in this new environment where we went from outside inside, we moved from the inside online, we, we started changing our purchasing habits. We started changing how we were doing things. And, and a lot of that involved going towards companies that could come meet us where we were or allowed us to meet other people where they were. So we saw the tech companies, we saw some of these large national companies see a big pickup in activity, a big pickup in sales, a, a return to activity much faster than the economy as a whole because we changed what we were buying, we changed how we were buying, we moved activity from Main, or, yeah, from Main Street towards Wall Street. I think that's going to shift a little bit as we get back to business, as we get back to normal in the year ahead. But all things considered, well, we ended up the year down from an economics perspective, we ended up with a, a, a starting point for 2021 that I think was is, is, is largely positive. Very good. Well, we appreciate that uh, <clears throat> nice uh, 
uh, I guess, historical look there as far as uh, things go. Now, throughout 2020, and uh, and even as we sit here today, the 1st of January, um, you know, there's been some stimulus packages that have been passed. We just had one that just got approved. And, and as we sit here and have this conversation, they're even talking about increasing the amount of money that consumers would get, the, uh, the population would get. Uh, right. When you look at that, how do you foresee the stimulus that we've already had and probably what we're going to continue to get as we get through this COVID scenario? What do you see that doing? Do you see that uh, somehow tiring out and, and hurting things, or do you see that really kind of bolstering the markets as we go forward? Yeah, so what I think is it provides short-term support, but what it what it really is, if you think about the stimulus, you think about our borrowing, it is that. It's borrowing, and we're, we're essentially borrowing from the future. We're borrowing from the future to do spending today to pull activity forward. Now, the stimulus package, uh, it's going to provide some relief to businesses the, the, through PPP, additional PPP, uh, through people who have lost jobs. So they're providing support to kind of get us through this period as we move through the winter and, and the case numbers Really, we saw it in November, December, um, they, they moved significantly higher. We need to get through this period. Uh, now vaccines are rolling out. As we move further into 2021, we expect COVID is gradually going to become under more control. So this is a bridge to, to get us from point A to point B where we can get sustained on our own. And that, to me, is critical. The best stimulus we could ask for in 2021 will come from reopening. It'll come from getting back to business, getting back towards normal. Because, for example, with PPP, we can do the spending on the PPP, and that allows small and medium-sized businesses to keep employees on their books, and it allows them to remain open during this time where they have limited activity, where they don't have customers coming through the door. But if we get to the end of that period, if they use up the PPP money, and then they're back to a point where they need to be self-sustaining, but we're not reopened, and they can't get back to activity, they're in that kind of same perilous situation. We just delayed the outcome. And so what I, you know, from my standpoint, I really want to see the, the progress take place on vaccine rollout. I want to see the progress play, take place on, on figuring out how we get to a process, how do we get to a point economically and from a market's perspective where the growth can be self-sustained. It's not coming from outside support. It's coming from uh, people getting back to work, people returning to jobs, new businesses opening, forming, growing to replace the, the, the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of businesses that we've already lost through COVID. So stimulus, it, it has its role to play. We will see ramifications as we move further down the road, right? We borrow uh, growth from 2022, from 2023. I've got two kids at home, and, and this is a historical kind of um, uh, path that the government has taken. They borrow from the future, they spend now and say, we'll figure out how to pay for it later. Eventually the bill does come due. We're benefiting right now from the fact that interest rates are incredibly low, so our borrowing costs to fund the stimulus are low. But in the future, whether that's through taxation or uh, whatever it may be, we're gonna have to take the money back out of the private sector to, to pay our debts. And I'm concerned about that because stimulus at the end of the day it's not a sustainable path to growth so let's get through this period it will help to get through that period it will boost growth in 2021 it will provide faster economic growth this year than we would otherwise see but it will have ramifications down the road 
Yeah, we were we were talking with a client just the other day, and we we're talking about the stimulus packages in 2020, the one that has been approved for 2021, and ultimately probably some more going forward. And the, mm -hmm. the client was essentially asking, you know, well, what's the impact going to be to me? And he's in his 70s, and you know, we it's hard to give a straight answer to that because we don't know uh, when and how what type of duration we're looking at before any of this really starts to show up. Uh, my right, guess is right. probably not in his lifetime, but yeah, like you said, your two kids at home or mine at mm -hmm. home or Raiden's kids as well, as well, I think we'll start to see that. Um, yeah. So Andrew, I'd like to transition a little bit, you know, it, it, investing in the markets in 2020 was, it was very difficult, you know, the, with the ups and downs, with what happened in March, uh, there was a period of time where Raiden and I, we had to go risk off, which means essentially there was nowhere to invest. So we went to cash, preserved capital, got back in, and then, Really, for the the theme of 2020 was kind of like you said, the places to be are where people are either using, which is technology, or the big companies like Amazon. So a lot of large cap uh, type companies were working very well in 2020, and so yep. we we aligned our investments that way as well. Now, towards the end of 2020, we started to see a little shift, a little rotation that we haven't seen in a while. So I was hoping that you could speak towards that as far as kind of what we're seeing as far as a rotation in the markets and 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 your idea as far as, you know, what that means for 2021 and as, even with, with the vaccine and if that works the way that it's supposed to work, does that make the rotation stronger? Does that balance things out? Yeah. So, so 2020 was a year of, uh, I guess you could say, sort of narrow leadership. There was a, a couple of sectors, there were a handful of companies that really drove growth. And a lot of them were the companies that we leaned towards during that time where we were trying to figure out how do we operate. We, we went towards video conferencing. We had people who were working out at home. We, we were buying online and, and all of those things brought activity towards those companies. But there was a lot of sectors, there was a lot of companies and industries that were still lagging, they were still hurting. Whether we're talking leisure and hospitality, whether we're talking um, you know, restaurants and bars, whether we're talking banks, they lagged through 2020. So while the market as a whole was up, they didn't get back to quite where they were. As we got progress and we got further and further along with the vaccines and we got to the point where we were getting the emergency use approval and that kind of, to a degree, it, it put some light at the end of the tunnel. We, you know, I, I think it was um, Fauci came out and said, when, when we got the vaccines, he said, the cavalry is arriving. And that's getting us uh, on this path. It, it, it's a path we can see to get back towards normal. And that's when we started to see people transition and say, look, these, these groups that have led, that led the growth, growth last year, that had pretty significant returns, um, we are going to see a bit of a transition towards some of these areas that have lagged. They've got, it, it, to use an analogy, they've got more of the runway ahead of them. Some of these groups that, that saw the returns in 2021, they're further along. Now, I'm not saying they need to stop. I'm not saying they come backwards on the runway, but I think the others are going to come up to meet them. My theme for 2021 would be that we're going to see more broad-based participation, that we're going to get uh, in, in this year some of those, those sectors like financials, like industrials, like materials. As we get reopening, as we get back to normal, they have a, a, a clear growth path just to get back to where they were and then to move forward from there. So I think that, that we'll see a bit of a transition. Some of that may show up in kind of the, the value versus growth discussions that take place. I think we will also see a bit of a rotation from the mega caps, the really large cap companies, towards some of the smaller and medium size, because they are the ones who are more dependent 
on, on day-to-day activity. The large companies, again, they have that supply chain. They've got international business. They've got ways of operating or uh, carrying through crises. Smaller, medium-sized companies are, are a little bit more impacted. They're more affected by the shutdowns, the shelter-in-place that took place. So I think small, medium size has some, some tailwind behind it. I think that, that some of those value and some of the sectors like, again, industrials, particularly financials, um, are, are going to see some tailwind to them. I'm not saying that, that growth is over or that, that the infotech and communication services and healthcare that were so critically important last year. I don't think their growth path is done. And I do not think that this is a situation like the dot-com bubble where valuations have just gotten completely out of whack. I think these truly are some of the best companies in the world. I just think that other areas have more of that growth to make up to kind of reach up and get that broad participation. I would expect to see that this year. I think we're going to see some inflation pressure because of the stimulus that we just talked about, um, which is something we would certainly be watching in terms of how is that going to impact the U.S. versus international debate? Because we're not the only ones in the world who were impacted by COVID. There's a lot of markets that were impacted. Our growth path, our recovery from the downturn, the U.S., uh, from an economic growth and from a market growth, has outperformed most other countries in the world. So they're lacking. They still have some room to pick up. And they tend to have greater exposure. They're, we are the world's tech leaders, right? The, the, the largest tech companies in the world tend to be here in the United States. So that was one of the benefits for us in 2020 in terms of market returns. International has more of those financials, industrials, materials, old industry. So I think we'll probably see some, some strong performance from international as well in the year ahead. I hope that you are enjoying the show. By the way, if you are in or nearing retirement and are someone who wants to gain clarity on what questions you should be asking, learn what the biggest retirement myths are, and identify what you could be doing to achieve peace of mind for your retirement, get started today by requesting your complimentary video course, Four Steps to Secure Your Retirement. To access the course, simply visit pomwealth.net forward slash podcast. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in applying these principles to your life. So head over to pomwealth.net forward slash podcast and check us out. Great. So last time we had a conversation with you, uh, Andrew, we had a lot of, uh, you know, what if statements around the political uh, point of view. And I will tell you that, you know, Merce and I, from a financial planning, retirement planning perspective, are uh, politically neutral. Uh, We don't really are not looking at it and saying what we want to happen or what we all All we're trying to do is say, hey, if this happens, what could it mean? And by the way, uh, for in the podcast world, uh, just because of logistics, we actually have to make a recording and then it's a few days later um, when it comes out. So as we sit here uh, today recording this, uh, there's a Georgia uh, uh, runoff as to how the Senate's going to end up. It looks pretty clear at this point on one part and on another part, maybe still a little fuzzy. And then as we sit here, uh, you know, uh, there is this issue of whether or not the the presidency is actually going to what's going to actually happen, although the much of the consensus is it's done. Uh, it, the presidency will continue on with Biden being the new president. But mm-hmm. let's just talk about some theory here. Uh, if we see the changes that appear to be changing today and this goes forward, 
how do you see this affecting the the side of the stock market and investments and those kind of things? Yeah, so it looks like we will have Biden with the presidency. It looks like the Democrats won the seats in Georgia, so it will be a 50-50 split in the Senate, which would make the vice president, Harris, the deciding vote, which would put control essentially with the Democrats, and they, they kept a narrow majority in the House. Now, that is a scenario that allows for more substantive policy changes. Now, and that to me is the key word. At the end of the day, the economy, the markets, care about policy, not politics. Policy is, is the rules of the world that we live in. It, and policy, it, it ends up coming down to data and it ends up coming down to math. Math doesn't care if you're Democrat or Republican or Libertarian or Independent. Math is math. And we believe that in, over time, math is ultimately what wins out in, in terms of the direction that things move. As it stands, here's what it looks like we will see based on the election results we are likely to see further stimulus, right? We got the plan at the very end of last year coming through around $900 billion. We are likely to see further stimulus spending sometime early, probably first quarter of 2021. Some of that's gonna be geared towards states um, and, and some, some spending in those areas. More, some of that's gonna to go towards replacing kind of lost revenues from you know, lower sales tax, lower income taxes. Some of that's gonna help them with rollouts of the vaccines. Some of that's gonna to come to support hospitals. That's gonna provide an upward boost to economic growth. Uh, but that spending that's gonna come alongside that additional stimulus is gonna flow through and have market impacts. For example, that spending is going to lead to inflation. The money that's entered into the system, um, and, and as an economist, the measure I look at is the M2 money supply. This is, it's just a fancy name. It's basically saying, what is the spendable money that's out there in the hands of consumers, in the hands of businesses? This is money that they could take, checking accounts, savings accounts, they could spend today if they wanted to. That amount typically grows about 6% per year. And it's been stubbornly consistent in that over the last 20, 30 years. 6%, 6%, 6% per year through quantitative easing. After 2008, 2009, when we had the extraordinary Fed action, it put money in the banking system, but it never made it to consumers, it never made it to businesses. This time, through PPP, through uh, some of the unemployment checks or, or the stimulus checks, which we're gonna see, it looks like another round of, that money went directly into the hands of individuals. It went into M2. We are currently, we currently have the M2 money supply up 25% year over year. We have not seen this historically. There is a lot of money, now it's sitting on the sidelines in many cases. It's sitting in money market funds, it's sitting in checking accounts, it's sitting in savings accounts. But as the confidence returns, as we, we see the broader distribution of the, the vaccine rollouts, I think we are going to see that money come into the system. That's gonna put some upward pressure on inflation, it's gonna put upward pressure on rates. How does it flow through to the market? Well, for one example, think about banks. Banks borrow short, they borrow from you day to day, and then they lend longer, whether that's through mortgages or, or lending to businesses. Uh, so so the, the, the inflation puts upward pressure on interest rates. Now the Federal Reserve holds it on the short end. The very shortest term lending that takes place, overnight lending, is, is anchored by Federal Reserve, who is keeping rates near zero, zero to 0.25, one quarter, but it's basically at zero. Inflation is gonna push the longer end up, and so banks, have their net interest margins, that margin they make over what they pay you to borrow from you and what they get back from the lending activity they do, 
that activity is going to have a direct market impact on the bank, the financial sector. Add in that the financial sector is going to play a role in the distribution of, for example, the PPP loans. They are the processor and they get a cut, a small portion as a processing fee in order to distribute these PPP loans. So that's one of the ways, for example, that, that the uh, actions likely to take place based on the political ramifications, the policy ramifications is gonna flow through to the market. We are, we've heard discussions from the political side, are we gonna see a pickup, uh, a raising of the personal tax rate, the top marginal tax rate to 39.6%? Are we gonna see the corporate tax rate move from 21% to 28%? I think we may see those, but not this year. I think the discussions could start this year, but we, we've been here before. To go back to 2009, and that's when we had President Obama coming into office, Joe Biden, the vice president. The Democrats had 50, I believe it was 59 seats in the Senate. They had the House. They were dealing with the Bush-era tax cuts and repealing the Bush-era tax cuts, bringing tax rates higher. Then, like now, they were also dealing with an economy that, that was getting back on its feet. And ultimately, they had to make this decision. Do we focus on rates? Or do we focus on the recovery side of things? And they, they prioritize recovery. They prioritize getting jobs back. They prioritize getting businesses back. And they, they, they kicked the tax can down the road for three to four years. I think this year is going to be a year of focus for recovery of, of, of getting things back towards normal. And the rate picture will take a little bit of a backseat. Where else will they focus the attention then? Because that was one of the big policy impacts. After the stimulus, I think we're going to see some movements on clean energy. I think we will very likely see uh, uh, some things coming through in terms of, let's say, subsidies for solar, subsidies for electric vehicles, maybe some movements on the, the emission standards, what's called the CAFE standards. It's the, the corporate um, average fuel economy. It's fleet economies for car producers. What's the average economy of what you produce? They can mandate companies have higher fuel efficiencies, and ultimately that, that will flow through for clean energy. What all of this means in terms of a market impact and economic impact, well, stimulus is going to push up spending. It's, it's going to put more money in the hands of businesses, more money in the hands of consumers. We will likely see a slightly faster pace of GDP growth than we otherwise would have seen uh, under a different political scenario, a different policy scenario. Again, remember that, that that's going to have ramifications down the road because we're borrowing that growth. It's not sustainable growth, but it's going to lead to a pickup in GDP. It's going to lead to lower unemployment. We'll see more jobs come back as that spending comes back. We'll see inflation up, uh, pick up, and I think it's going to, to a degree, it's going to accelerate that path back towards normal. I think the, the, the policies we're likely to see this year are going to be heavily focused on how do we get back to where we were, and how do we put ourselves on, on, on a path um, of, of broad-based recovery? Just as I talked about with the markets, they're going to be looking to get a broader-based recovery, get Main Street back, get the restaurants and the bars back, get them through this period and get them back on their feet, because so, they, are, they are a core engine in the United States. They're core engine in communities, and, and the government wants to see that take place. So the supports the states will help with that. Uh, policy is supportive here. If we have this conversation in a year and we say, okay, now what are the policy ramifications for growth in 2022, 23, 24? We're going to start seeing some of the headwinds start to show up. But in the very short term, I think it's largely supportive. So for everyone listening, I think Andrew just made it very clear that not just anyone can become an economist. 
because <laughs> there are just so many moving parts to what the economy is made up of and how it's moving internationally, domestically. Uh, Andrew, I think you just did a great job of kind of painting a picture rather than uh, diving into economist speak, which we see sometimes, which is very hard to understand. So thank you for doing that. Um, now, I think we've got a we've got time for a couple questions before we have to wrap up. And, and and I think we mentioned this on the last time that we had a podcast with you in the office. Typically, I am more of the pessimist and Raiden is more of the optimist. And so I think uh, we've got a couple of questions and hopefully we can end the podcast on a positive note. But my pessimistic question for you is, you know, you've listed off a bunch of things that could potentially happen this year, but what are you most mm -hmm. nervous about for just 2021? Not looking forward, you know, just in a short-term view, what's making you the most nervous? Uh, so at the moment, one of the things that I'm, you know, kind of watching is we have been slow on the rollout of the vaccines. It is a, a very, there's a lot of logistics involved with it. It's a difficult thing to get it distributed across to different environments, to get it dis distributed in different places within the country, to get it set up, to get it out to individuals. So we're off to a slower start than the government anticipated, and frankly, than I thought that we would. Um, so it's, it's something that we're going to be watching. We're going to be watching how quickly can we really get the vaccine out to the people who need it most. And that's the elderly, it's, it's the first responders, it's, it's um, you know, those, those frontline workers. If the longer that takes, the longer that delay period of getting back to normal. So that's the first thing that I'm watching. I check the numbers basically every single day. I look at where our new test numbers are at. I look at where the case numbers are at. I look at where hospitalizations and capacities are across different areas of the economy because that, from an economic standpoint, gives us an idea of where we're likely to see changes to restrictions, which would flow through to businesses. Um, but then the last thing I check is, where are those vaccines? How quickly are they getting out? Where are they distributed to? And when are we going to get additional doses? That's, that's, that's going to be the key focus for me, I think, probably for the next two to three months. Until we get into April, May. If we're in April, May, and we're at a point where we've seen broad distribution, and we're at a point where we're, we're far enough along that basically people who want to get it are, are able to get it. Um, and and it's, it's no longer a restriction in terms of capacity or production, then I think we're in a very strong position for the second half of this year. If it takes longer, it kind of just delays when we can really kick things into gear on the growth side. The other thing that I'm a little uh, nervous about is, is that we live in a world of instant gratification, right? And, and we've just continued to move in this direction. I mean, I, I've watched this growing up as we've got cell phones and now we've got Twitter and news gets us gets to us instantaneously, and we've got video on demand. We hate waiting, and we love getting that reward quickly. My concern is we get the stimulus now, and that we we feel that 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 sugar high from the stimulus, and say, look at how great this is, and we we don't look at the ramifications down the road, and that we get in this mindset of let's keep spending, let's let's keep spending, let's figure out, you know, we'll worry about the cost of this thing later. Right? And if you had an individual who told you that, if you had a friend who told you, look, I'm just going to take out these loans because I love driving this, this Porsche, and I, I, I love buying a bigger house, and I love adding a pool to my yard, and you said, but your income hasn't changed. All you're doing is adding debt into the future. Yeah, you're spending now, but that's not sustainable. We would be worried about that, but people don't think about that from a country standpoint. They just say, you know what, let's do what we need to do now. Let's do things now to, to lead to faster growth. And we're, we're not addressing uh, really what was one of the biggest concerns before COVID. 
the fact that we continuously run deficits, that we're continuously spending more than we make. Uh, I'm hoping that as we get past this, we look back and say, we need a more sustainable, we need a better uh, response to something like this if we see it in the future. And because of this additional spending, we need to figure out how we're going to control this moving forward. I'm a little nervous that that, that debate's not going to take place, that people are just going to accept that instant gratification, and, and then they're going to focus on what the next piece of the puzzle is. They're going to focus on the next thing, and that spending can keeps getting kicked down the road. All right. Well, very good. Let's uh, let's do what Merce said. Let's try to end on a on a little bit of a positive note here. So, uh, what is it that you look forward to and forward in twenty twenty one rather? And and you say, hey, I, you know, here's the things I'm excited about. Here's what I see that's positive and that and I and I really think is going to make an impact in a positive nature. Yeah, there's a number of things I'm pretty excited about for for twenty twenty one. And I, I will admit, I tend to be a more optimistic person in, in part and that's that's i'll tell you that's unusual in economics we're usually looking for what's wrong and where are the numbers what, where we're we gonna have a problem but one thing that i've seen over my career and i've seen this in life is that we as humans can do some amazing things and particularly when our backs are against the wall i mean if you think about the history of the united states it's a story of, of facing struggle, facing difficulty, and finding a way to move forward. And, and what I watched take place in 2020, there were some things that were short of miracles. I mean, the fact that we brought a vaccine, and not just one, but two of them, to market for emergency use in less than a year was, was impossible. 10, 20, 30 years ago, but it's because of advancements we've made in medicine. And now they're looking at the process, they're looking at, at what they learned from that, and they're saying, well, we got other vaccines we can work on after this. We have other drugs, we have other diseases that we can focus on after this because we put our nose to the grindstone, we worked our butts off, and this is going to have ramifications that opens up possibilities into the future. I've watched businesses become more efficient. I've watched small, medium, large size get forced to figure out how to be more efficient, how to adapt to this environment. And I think like we saw with the banking sector, right? Go back to 2008, 2009, we came out of the great financial crisis, the housing crisis, subprime mortgage crisis, banks strengthened from that. It was a difficult period for them to go through. It was incredibly difficult. They had a really hard time, but they came out, realized where they had vulnerabilities and they were in an incredibly stronger position coming into this downturn. And they went from being the villains of the last recession to through the PPP and through other measures, being one of the core supporters. I think we are going to see progress made by companies, by industries. They're gonna come out leaner, meaner, uh, better able to compete, not just domestically, but internationally from this experience. So uh, that's something that I'm optimistic about. I think we've also seen a lot of ideas. People, people spend time at home, they took time, they, they, they took time to reflect, think about where they wanna be in two years, three years, five years, 10 years, what's important. There are companies now that are waiting to form. It's difficult to build a new company in a shutdown. It's, you can do remote work and you can keep existing companies operating, you can work on those efficiencies. It's difficult to build new companies. I think we're gonna see that in 2021, particularly in the second half of the year. We're gonna see new ideas coming to market. We're gonna see new players entering into markets, I think we're going to see a step forward phase. So uh, the growth prospects, the, the ingenuity, the entrepreneurship, I think is going to return with force. And I'm excited to watch that take place. 
we have strong fundamentals. If I look at the employment market and the opportunity that we have for growth there, the support that would provide to the economy. If I look at the housing market, the fact that we had underbuilt for 10 years going into this, now people are saying, look, maybe I am going to be working from home. And so I'd like to have a home office. Or if I'm ever going to see another shutdown, you know, knock on wood, hopefully we don't see another one in our lifetimes. But if we do, I want more space. We've seen people voting with their feet. They've been moving out of some key, some major urban areas out to the suburbs. The housing market has a, a bright, uh, from an economics perspective at least, I, I can't speak to the market side. I don't deal as much with the markets and the housing. But from an economic perspective, it's a strong fundamental for the year ahead. It's a strong support. The math there says 2021 should be a strong year. I think we'll see it across a number. If, if, if I had to step away, if, if I could give one message to people to, to going into 2021, you know, like I said earlier, we believe firmly that at the end of the day, the math wins. The math is very positive for the year ahead. And, and there will no doubt be volatility. There will no doubt be uncertainty. That happens every single year, and especially coming out of a year that was traumatic, difficult, like last year, it's hard to believe that we're getting back to normal. But, but just like we saw coming out of 2008, 2009, we step forward day by day, week by week, month by month. We make progress, we adapt, we step forward, and then we reach a point where, where we look around and we say, you know what, we've made, a lot of, we've made a lot of progress, and we are on a path to continue moving forward from here. And those fears that, that we have about returning to last year, I think people will realize that, that we're in a very different spot now. We'll see a general return to confidence. The data is showing it to us already. Uh, the narratives on TV are harder to ignore, and a lot of people, that's where they go for the information. They turn on the TV, they see the negativity, and it's, it's not showing them the strength that's underlying. I'm excited to see that strength come through. I'm excited to see ingenuity in 2021. I'm excited to see a return uh, back to growth. And the last thing I'm excited for, I'm excited to be back with people. Uh, I, my family, I, I, I didn't get to see my parents this past uh, Christmas. And for New Year's, they live not too far away, but they're older. They're in a vulnerable population. I'm ready to, to sit down in a restaurant and, and talk with people. I'm excited to sit down for Thanksgiving dinner with the whole extended family. I'm, I'm excited to be back together for Christmas. I think our communities, our neighborhoods, uh, people are going to get back out, and we're going to remember now how much we enjoy and, and how much we value that time that we get to spend together. So hopefully, if I could raise a glass to – to getting back to normal, um, 2021, uh, it should be a year of getting back to normal. Well, there you have it from Andrew Updike. Uh, Andrew, thank you very much for your insights on everything that we just discussed today. Um, we appreciate you carving out some time uh, to speak with us and hop on our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. All right, everyone, that wraps up today's episode of the Secure Your Retirement podcast. If you found value in today's episode, we would love nothing more than for you to head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a review. Be sure to take a screenshot of the review before you submit it, and we'll send you a special gift. Our book, Get Off the Retirement Roller Coaster. Just email morgan at pomwealth.net with a screenshot of the review to get your gift. Also, be sure to subscribe so you get notified of new episodes as they're released every week. And finally, please share our podcast with your favorite social network so more of your friends and family can benefit from this information. Always remember, you've worked hard to get where you are, 
And now you deserve to have a retirement that works hard for you. 